Good morning, Chair City Church. How you doing today? Welcome our guests. Welcome to the last Sunday here at Chair City Church, the last Sunday of 2018. Happy New Year to everybody. It's good, man. So, you know, you continually blow me away. So the last Sunday of the year, the Sunday following uh, Christmas is the least attended Sunday of all the year throughout the country. But look what you do. Awesome, 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 awesome. Come on. Well, with this attendance, we'll go well over 300 today. And so our new low, because I always look at our, our new low in a sense, meaning I don't only look at the high even more. I say, okay, what is the, what is our, the new high low? Does that make sense? And our new high low is 300 and that's phenomenal that's fantastic Andrew that was a great video I just want to follow up that our Christmas Eve services were absolutely fantastic we had about 340 people come in we had so many guests come in we had a couple of people just turn to God during those services we had I think it was almost 10 people new families filled out connection cards it was just a wonderful time in here so People are having fun. They're glad to be here. They're building relationships. Lives are being changed because you are loving and trusting in the one true God. I am so thankful to you. Want to jump into our message here today. We'll be in uh, Luke chapter 15. You can go there in your Bibles. We're going to put it up on the screen as well. Now, this is a story about a, about a young son. And uh, it's, uh, it's really, the, he's the younger of two sons in a family. And this younger son, he greatly insults his dad by requesting his inheritance. Now, in his culture and in his day, in Jewish antiquity, if a son, a father would give his sons his inheritance when he died. And so for the son to be saying, I want my inheritance now, it's as if he's saying, Dad, I, I wish you were dead. Now, his dad has two sons, and therefore now, if he's going to, you know, if he's going to oblige by the request, he now needs to give his inheritance to both sons, the older and the younger. Now, the younger son, who, who once he gets the money, he takes off. He leaves the family, his brother, his father, the family behind, and he goes out, he cuts off relationships with everybody, and he goes out and he sort of just lives the high life, if you will. You might call it a low life as well, but he pretty much goes out and he parties, drinks, hangs out with prostitutes, um, and, and just lives apart from even the, the God he was known to believe in. Now, after spending all his money, and it was a lot of money, he winds up alone. And the Bible tells us and gives us this picture of him being alone with pigs. And he's literally sitting in pig slop as his circumstances, as the reality of his circumstance sets in. And he realizes that, that even servants in his father's home are being treated and live better than he is now. So he decides to go home and ask his dad, hey, will you at least take me back as a servant, not even one of your own children, right? Now, most of the time when we talk about this story, which is known as the, the prodigal son, we focus properly so on the younger son who's left and returned. And that's because Jesus, when he, when he brought this story forward, he was doing so in response to kind of negative and critical thinking and talking from religious leaders towards him because he was hanging out around with people who are apart from God. But I want it today, and responsibly, there's, a, there's another layer of this story, uh, a significant one, about the older brother, the other brother, and that's who I'd like to talk about today, and uh, the one who chose to, to stay home and didn't leave. Now, and it is, it is the sadder part of the story. There's no happy ending. There's no celebration. 
I do believe this message is a very meaningful, meaningful one for you today as you go into 2019. Uh, when, I, when I look at it, it's, it's kind of a sort of a good chunk, a comprehensive approach that I took in evaluating myself. So the, some of the categories I'm going to toss out to you, it's how I evaluate myself before God. Uh, and especially when I'm doing kind of like a, you know, a dashboard. Like, you know, looking at myself, where am I? Kind of an engine check. And, and I do believe that things we're going to toss out are what Jesus talked a lot to, spoke a lot to, especially when he was being kind of critical. These areas in the lives of the religious leaders and, and, and other people. Meaning, really, he, he spoke a lot to these areas as far as how they can be so disruptive to our relationship with God. I do believe that if you just get a hold of what I'm saying and, and deeply embrace it, that it will set your tone for 2019. Because you want 2019 to be what? You want it to be filled with peace and joy. Because peace and joy cover a whole lot, don't they? I mean, if we put everything that falls under peace and everything that falls under joy, you'd have a lot of, lot of wonderful you there. And, and if you just right now decide, I am going to really, with all my heart and mind, I'm going to listen, I'm going to apply this into my life, I'm going to make that commitment now going into 2019, then your 2019 will have a lot more peace and joy. Peace with God, joy from knowing God. So let's jump in to Luke chapter 15, verses 20 through 32, kind of in the mid-drift of the story. And it says, so he, the youngest son, returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. What a great depiction that we have right here of our Heavenly Father. Coming out and embracing and holding and kissing the wayward son. Huh? This is what God, this is the loving God that we have. Verse 21 says, his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, okay, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the oldest son is in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother, and this is where it gets sad. You know, again, God is moving in this family. There's reconciliation, there's celebration. But the older brother was angry, and he would not go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the, fat, the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, my dear son, You've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. It's a sad story here. The older brother, he's not only missing the party, he's missing the point. He's missing the message. He's, he's not only missing, relation, he's missing relationship with his brother, his father, and most of all, God. 
His relationship with God is being disrupted. Listen, Satan wants to disrupt, to corrupt your relationship with God. He wants to destroy your relationship with God. The one that Jesus Christ gave his life for, that you could have right relation with God. You know, as you're sitting here now, getting ready, you're looking into 2019, beginning, because you know, Christmas, we have this massive buildup to Christmas, right? Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and then boom, you know, it just stops. In our case, it was really a boom. We finished up here at 10.30 at night after the two services. We were so blessed to have over 60 people come and join me and Christy and the kids in our family for a Christmas Eve dinner. That was wonderful. Thank you for sharing that with us. And we clean up and then we go home. We sit on the couch about 10.30 at night. And I just want to now share with my kids and my wife my gratitude and thanksgiving. We want to take in. And we sit down and I go to talk. And just is like, whoa, I'm not feeling too good. Just did two services with the kids on Christmas Eve. He did two services on Sunday morning. He's like, yeah, I'm not feeling too good. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> he just goes, man, like, wham. <laughs> there was nothing subtle about it. Like, whoa. Welcome home. He's like, okay. So I can't handle that stuff. I'm like, I'm not the trooper. Christy, the Jason, they're on it. I'm like, I cover my face. I'm like this. <laughs> I do. I pray with the kids from a distance, like with my. <laughs> it's the truth, man. I can't. I can't do it. So uh, yeah, yeah. Christy's Christy holds it down. So uh, about two o'clock in the morning, we finally get to sleep. But it was a, it was just a wonderful time, and so now you get to Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and then and then there's the pause, and then you start to gather yourself, and now you start to think about the next year that's coming, 2019, right? And what I want you to begin to think that as you're thinking that, you have an enemy who's thinking right along with you. And, and he's intervening in your thoughts. And, he, and the Bible says he roams and he roars and he's the father of lies. And he's doing that to you as you're pondering 2019. And the one thing he's hoping you don't do, and the one thing he, he's going to speak loud and as clear and as intense as he can, is to interfere from you thinking this one thing. That in 2019, I am going to be in right relation with God. The centrality of my life in 2019, more than anything else, what's going to be more prominent than anything else, is I am going to be seeking and desiring to have right relationship with God. And if you do that right now, I tell you, the heavens rejoice, hell shakes, demons shake, and to God be the glory, good things are ahead for you. Yes? So... I want you to be aware of that truth. I prayed this morning that you, as I would say these words, that you, this truth would sink into you. Listen, I, 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 when you come in here, yes, you're in the right place, but I want you to be in the right place not only logistically, but in your heart and your mind, cognitively, emotionally, spiritually. I want you to be in the right place now and going into 2019. I don't want us to go through the motions. I don't want us to come to this place of, you know, kind of a plateauing. We cannot do that. There's too much to be done. There's too many people out there apart from God, and God wants to do too, too much great things in your life. Do you hear me? And that's going to happen with peace and joy and you being in right relation with God. Now I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to toss out a few ways that Satan can bring corruption to that right relation with God. A few ways that we can kind of combat it if we implement them. Now one tool of corruption from the enemy to corrupt your right relation with God is prosperity. Now each one is going to be one you might not think of. You, you might not have thought of that. Like prosperity. But I tell you again, not, this is kind of how I evaluate myself uh, when I do a dashboard, a deep examination. 
You know, not that I'm going particularly for one particular thing, but I'm just really assessing myself, especially as I move forward into a, a kind of a season of life. But I, again, I believe Jesus spoke a lot to these areas and how they could bring kind of corruption to our spirit. Now, prosperity can be a good thing, and it, and, and it is a good thing, especially when it comes from our trusting God and our efforts to glorify God. This is good. But if not guarded, it can evolve into something that could be a deterrent to our leaning and trusting in God. It could, be, it could cloud our intimacy with God. Do you hear that? Now, when I say prosperity, many of you are like, I'm off the hook, no problem. I got no problem with prosperity, right? That's supposed to be funny. Well, I guess if you don't, maybe it's sad. I get you. I'm kind of in your boat, too. Now, when I, when I say prosperity, it's, it's relative. So you might, it might be prosperity because you have a, a, a nice home, a business, maybe 100K, 50K more in the bank. You got some savings. You got some investment property. Thing, you're, you're, and maybe more, you're prosperous. And, and okay, it might be prosperity because, you know, you were making, you know, 14 an hour, and now you're making 16 an hour, you know, and, and you, you got a better apartment. And, and man, th things are good in this kind of financial material realm. There's an uptick, so you're prosperous, right? And what I'm telling you is prosperity has a way, and the enemy will use it to gradually, subtly creep in, sneak in, and bring us to this place where we're thinking, you know, I don't really have no need. I mean, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying I don't need God, but I mean, like, like right now, I'm not in that, in that same place of kind of, you know, needing God like I was then, right? It's like, you know, I was saying, you know what, like, when I, need, when I had $124 left to my name, when we were starting this church out seven and a half years ago, and, and like, you know, I don't, need, I don't think that got us through a day, you know, with four kids in my home and all that. I mean, it's like week to week, there's dollar to dollar, and I had a new one, it was gallon to gallon. Like, okay, do I have enough money to put a gallon of gas in my car to get from here to there? And I, we lived like that for a few months. And so, wow, you know, I, I had this deep need. You know, I was in, I mean, that, when I looked at that 124, I was like, wow, man, I have this great need of God right now. But now, you know, it's better. I'm not really in that place, right? I'm kind of sad I'm good. I mean, I, I need God, but I don't need him deeply like that. I don't have to pause and, start and, and really focus and trust in God. Say, God, give me strength to get through this way with my buck 24 here, right? And, I, and yet that's where God wants us to be. He's not saying he wants us to be with $125. He wants, to be that, he wants us to be in that place of need of him, of acknowledging him. Because if we don't, then prosperity will creep in and corrupt our relationship with God. And we will lean more towards our prosperous thoughts and what we have than who gave it to us. Am I making sense here? So on the surface, you know, and that's what happened with the older brother. He had received this inheritance. He had buku cash, as we, as we say in my generation, right? I mean, he had the inheritance, plus he's still working the land. He's making more money. He's doing really well. Now, on the surface, everything seems good for him. He's prospering from good choices, from hard work. But that prosperity is hurting his relationship with God. I'm, I'm taking that liberty to put that out there. That, that prosperity is, is, has him built up, and he's not really in a good relationship with his father and perhaps not even with God. He's not, he's not humbled. There's no humility there, and that's a problem. That humility is a sign of something. I'll tell you what it is. When I started a church, I've said it a few times up here, I would tell it to people when I would meet with them. I'd spend hours and hours meeting people in cafes and McDonald's and just trying to tell them about a church I'm going to start, and it kept going for a while. And I would, I would try and explain to them the environment I wanted. 
And I had kind of captured that. A way to articulate that was I would tell him a, a kind of a, a story I read in a book called Why Church by Philip Yancey. I've shared this with some of you before. And, and Yancey talks about growing up with a, a friend in church. He said, we were close. We grew up together in church. Uh, as we went into adulthood, uh, sadly, my friend be, you know, succumbed to alcohol and became a, an alcoholic. And he came to a place of sobriety. He did so through AA. And as time went on, he was very kind of religious with AA, very dedicated, but he would not step foot in the church. When he was struggling with the alcohol, he went, and then when he recovered, he would literally have nothing to do with the church. And so one day we're sitting there over coffee, and I just tossed the question out. And I'm like, why is it that you will, you know, go, you won't miss a week of AA, but you'll have nothing to do with the church? And he paused and he looked at me and he said, you know, um, when, I, when you come into an AA meeting, for the most part, he said, they're all different. But he said, you know, we're, we're desperate. He said, you know, we're, we really think that we're one drink short of wiping out. Whether we're an architect, a plumber, a teacher, a custodian, whatever. We're, we're a drink short. We're hanging by a thread of wiping out. We're desperate. And we all know we're in that same place and we have this common enemy. And we get that too. He said, you know, when I walk into a church, I, that's not really what I get when I walk into a lot of churches. He said, it's kind of more like we've got it together. Like that's the goal to just have it together, to give the appearance of having together. Like that's, what, that's the gain from faith in God, is that now we have it together. We can project that, and the more we project that, the more people will sense that we have a good place with God because we have it together. So I don't, I, you know, it's kind of like more like this self-sufficiency. I see self-sufficiency, not a desperation. Do you hear that, people? You see, prosperity will bring you to a place of self-sufficiency, and that's a very, very dangerous place to go spiritually when it comes to your relationship with God. That will cloud and corrupt your right relation with God, meaning that will deteriorate your peace and your joy when you come to that place of self-sufficiency. Like, I'm fine, I got this, I can do this. It's the opposite of true dependence on God. Right? Like, okay, yeah, I, I know God's there and I love him, but I, I, I just don't need him like I used to, right? Like, like I, I don't, I'm not like, you know, desperate like that guy is or, or desperate like she is. And yet I wake up in the morning and I want to be desperate for God. I really do. I, right now, I want to be so desperate for God because when I'm desperate for God, I'm dangerous to the devil. I really am. I promise you, when Dave Trelonga gets up in the morning and he comes to a mindset of being desperate for God, hell shakes, demons rattle. I'm telling you because now I'm ready. I'm ready to yield to God. I'm ready to sacrifice to the utmost. I'm ready to trust in God. Satan's got nothing on me. Let's, let's do this. Let's live out this life in a way that's going to glorify God. You want to be desperate for God. You want to need God. And you want to dwell in his glory. Again, you're desperate, you're needing God, and you have peace and joy, yes? This is where peace and joy comes from. Self-sufficiency will corrupt your relationship with God. Another tool that the enemy will use, uh, you know, against us to corrupt our being in right relationship with God is morality. Again, might not have thought of that. Morality. What does that mean? It, you know, it means I have no fault. I'm, you know, the other older brother said to his father, I'm doing everything right. I'm acting right. I'm being right. I've done nothing wrong. I have no fault. 
And yet clearly he was not in right relationship with his father nor with God. There was not a strong, healthy, intimate relationship taking place there. Not one that could even withstand this kind of a hiccup in a relationship. You see, the older brother was in a place of self-righteousness. You need to go, having good, strong morals is affirmed. It's called for, it's commanded in Scripture. If that is what you begin to worship, if that is what you lean on, if that is what you now see as your badge of honor and your identity, you could likely succumb to self-righteousness. Listen, this is, again, corrupting and clouding to your relationship with God. When you start to think, you know what, I'm right. My actions are right. And, and even when I'm wrong, I'm not that wrong. I mean, I don't really have to worry about it that much, right? I mean, and then we start to really give ourselves credit for being morally astute or being more moral in, in certain areas than other people might be. And we're really leaning on morality. And really, what, what cradles are, are, that are holding on to the faith is that, well, you know, we have good morals. And we're so glad that we don't live out our life as that one does, or he does, or she does. You know, we hold to that morality. And again, we affirm good, strong morals, but this is not our identity. This is not what we, we, we live for the love of God. We live to worship God. We live to, to depend on God. We don't live to be self-righteous. You know, Japan is one of the wealthiest countries in the world. And uh, it's also one of the most moral countries in the world. They say you, they, so they say you can't lose your wallet in Japan if, because, or, your, or your cell phone. If you drop it, they say they'll pick it up and they'll run after you and try and find you and give it to you. And everything, money and everything will still be in it. They say the crime rate in Japan is like non-existent. So they've got a lot of money. They're prosperous. And they've got very little crime because they have such high morals. So Japan is one of the wealthiest. It's one of the safest, one of the most moral countries. Japan is also one of the most godless countries in the world. Meaning, whether it's Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, means very little in Japan. They give very little attention or minimal value to anything to do with God overall. Now, the truth is, also about Japan, they, they hold another kind of, um, if you will, a high percentage of a particularly notable you know, area, statistic. Japan has one of the highest rates of suicide in the world. Yeah. I mean, thousands and thousands of Japanese men and women every year take their own life. They're very wealthy. They're very safe but they're killing themselves. Their suicide rate is off the charts. And you'd say, why? With the prosperity and with the, you know, you know all the safety and, and the high morality and the honesty and the truth and all that. Well, they're self-sufficient, right? They're depending on themselves. They're very self-righteous. And in all that, they have very little to no relationship with God. And so Japan, in my estimation, has this darkness to it, meaning Japan as a whole in their culture lacks hope. Do you hear me? And so with this spiritual darkness and this lack of hope, you have this massive void in these people who are created by a one true God. 
And although they might have all this money, and although they might have, which is not bad, money's not bad, but their relationship with it, and although they have all these high morals, and high, I teach my children to have strong morals, but if that's who they're going to be, and that's what they lean on, and it's everything, that's not good. What they're not leaning on and trusting in and living for is right relationship with God, so they got this gaping hole because God created them, and so they kill themselves. And it's a dark place. That's not where you want to be. You don't even want to go anywhere near that, that universe, right? I'm not saying you're going to kill yourself, but, but I'm showing you here's an illustration of what happens that even if you have the prosperity and you have the morals, but you don't have the right relation with God, that you've got this gaping hole. And be aware your enemy, Satan, will use prosperity and he will use morality to corrupt your right relation with God. Another tool Satan uses to hinder you from drawing close to God, from having this intimacy with God, is familiarity. God, I did it so good the first time. Come on. Familiarity. Familiarity? I can't do it that way. You just say it so good. All right. You got it. I got it. You got it, right? Familiarity. So when we get to this place where we're familiar with things, you know, you, you want that job so bad, and, you, and, and you, 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 you're seeking it, you get it, you're like, wow, you're high as a kite, I got the job, you can't wait to go to work and start doing it, you know, working. A year later, two years later, your job sucks. I can't stand it. I'm not look, even looking to go in and work. I don't like the people I'm working with anymore. You pursue a certain someone, right? And, you know, and you got high affections for them. You, you just love being around them. You know, the air is fresher. Rain is okay. You can walk in the rain forever. You can stand and wait in the rain. You can kiss in the rain. It's just, it's just life is good. Life is beautiful, right? A few years later, I mean, the air is cold. It stinks. Rain is messy and wet, right? I say, yeah, the people who laugh are the people who aren't married, okay? What, what happens? You, you've become familiar. You've become familiar with your job. You've become familiar with your spouse, yeah, and what happens? You take things for granted. You take precious things for granted. And, what, and, and you're not thankful. Those things, really, that kind of put a, you know, skip in your step, that kind of lit you up, you know, now you just take them for granted. You're not thankful. There's not gratitude. And, and what this produces is this kind of what self-entitlement way of thinking. I know the older generation likes to toss all that on the younger generation nowadays. I won't go there, plus or minus, yes or no. What I'm saying is this is a human condition. This is all generations that we can suffer from becoming familiar, you know, with things, the ones we love and, and, and provisions from God. And, and now we're just, we're being drained of thanksgiving. And that's a, that's a big deal. When you're drained of thanksgiving in relationships, even though Christy and I, we have a habit of being thankful in our marriage. Meaning every day, you know, it, we, will, we will look to be thankful to each other. I mean, we always look to say we love one another. And we look to really express thanksgiving. Honey, thank you for doing that. Dave, thanks for doing that. Christy, thank you for picking up the kids. Thank you for taking out the garbage. You know, thank you for doing this. Thanks for working so hard. Well, thanks for leading worship for 30, for 40 weeks straight. You know, on and on. We're doing it. I mean, I don't think a day will pass, we'll do it at least once, sometimes 30, 40 times. And, and, and the days that we struggle, we'll do it less. And our worst days, when we're really in a bad place, we don't do it at all. Which is why we're probably in a bad place, right? 
be thankful to each other. Now, and first and foremost, be thankful to God. And, and, and the thing is, I mean, thankful to the point where, again, you know, the, the air is fresher. You know, rain feels good. Things are great. You have this wonderful expectation about coming into God's presence, right? That, that's, that, that's it means something to you. Because, listen, you could be in here and you're in the right place logistically, but your heart and mind might not be in the right place. Are you hearing me? You want your heart and mind to be dwelling in a place of gratitude and thanksgiving. So you can thwart the enemy. As you go into 2019, you want to right now be determined to be thankful to God, to hold off from this self-entitlement thing, because what happens is all of a sudden we take things for granted. Like, you know, things we have. You know, like, you know, we're moving, you know, so we, okay, yeah, so you're going to start, you know, praying about these kids in Africa and they can't eat and, oh, I'm so glad I have food. Yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. But it doesn't really, you know, but I mean, just really without any manipulation, just, just really being thankful for the, some of the basics we have that are so substantial that God has brought into our life. It would move you a lot. Honestly, before God with all that I am, it's not often that I will not leave here on a Sunday and just be so grateful to be your pastor, so in awe about what's going on. It's often that I'll sit and I'm in my home and I look at my wife and my kids and I'm like, how did I get here? It's like this out of body, like, is this me living this life? I'm, I'm so grateful to be here. I don't do this all the time. For a while, I struggled being on the other side, not being thankful, not realizing it, not being moved by these, this providence of God. But in your 2019, you're going to be thankful huh, for all of God's provision in your life. Now, we want to be in right relationship with God. And, and as a church, what we do is, we, we do. We want to have right relationship with God. And as a church, we, we're very intentional about what we do. And all that we do. And we do something every year at the beginning of the year to set you up to go in this direction. To get you off in the right trajectory to being in right relationship with God. To, to holding off from Satan's schemes and his deception. And one of the things we do is 21 days of prayer. Now, we do this because it simply works. We do this because it's biblical. The Bible calls us to prayer, and this is a good way of doing it. But we do it specifically this way because we have seen it work. Those who've been involved in it, those who gauge and watch people's lives who've been involved in it, it just simply makes a difference. It makes a difference when they're doing it. It makes a difference in the weeks and months ahead in their lives. Those who participate meaningfully in this 21 days of prayer. It's a meaningful time. It's an incredible way to move forward in 2019. Prayer is close communication with God. That's what we call you into. That's what you're inviting you to. You know? It, it's not boring. I think when, I, when you say prayer, you think boring. I say prayer, you think monk. Do I look like a monk to you? Is there anything about me that in any way resembles a monk to you? You think prayer, thank you, somebody said no. It wasn't my wife, but it was a masculine voice, but I'll take it, you know. It's just, it's not a, it's not a miserable experience. It's about defeating the enemies of your faith. It's about guarding against and thwarting Satan when he's coming in to bring his deception and his corruption to your right relation with God. Jesus did it. He calls us to prayer. Prayer will produce right relation with God. 
You see, right relationship with God is dependent. It's dependency on God. I, Dave, must be dependent on God. You want to be dependent on God in 2019. <laughs> what does that mean? It means your, your eyes are going to be open. Your heart's going to be filled with courage. You're going to be strengthened. You're going to see this world in a way you've never seen it before. You're going to be interpreting things in such a clearer, healthier way. You're going to see yourself in such a much better place, in a much better way. Dependency says, I need God. It's the opposite of self-sufficiency, which is very tiring, and it's a significant burden to carry. We need God as a church as much as we needed him seven and a half years ago. I, I believe that. I better believe that, that right now, Chair City Church, we need God. We need to be as dependent on God now today as we were that very first service in a cinema when we had 26 people. You need to be as dependent on God today as when you first came to Jesus, as when you first started kicking this Christian thing around. You need to be as dependent now as you were then. And you, you say, well, you know, Dave, yeah, that, that, that's kind of like hyperbole. I can't do familiar hours, but I can do hyperbole. I'm getting there. Next year, I'll get the other one. And ask, that's a whole other story. We talked about that in the first service, right? A-S-K, ask, Okay. No emphasis on the S. No emphasis on the S, right, okay. Yeah, we had, we're working through that, uh, what would you call it, a um, controversy in my home. So anyway, where was I? So when I, when I, it's not, I'm not just trying to like throw out some like, you know, hyper stuff here. I, so when I talk about being on the floor in my room seven and a half years ago, my office bowled up, crying out to God, God, I need you. I need to be in that same place of, of desperation now, of, of dependency now with God. Or maybe, maybe the circumstances are different, and I'm grateful. I don't want the same circumstances. But I need to be, and they say, I need to be motivated now, not by circumstances, but by my, my, my love of God. I mean, I've seen him. He's such a loving God. He's such a faithful God. He's such a trusting God. I need him. I want him. I'm desperate for him. I'm going to depend on him now. I don't need to be broken, crushed, sifted, and tossed all over the place to come to that place. I know who he is. That's what I want to depend on God for everything, for my children's well-being, for their protection, for financial provisions, for how I'll be treated as a pastor, for where we're going as a church, let's depend on God, yes? With prayer, your life is spiritually empowered. That's not self-sufficiency. Let your life be powered by your spirit in 2019, and you will have an incredible year. That's me. That's my story for 2019. You see... 2018 was a magnificent year for Dave Trelongo. I mean, like crazy off the charts, it happened. Likely, I got, I got to sit. I haven't had the chance to really take it all in. I did get some rest for a few days, but I, I do think it very well could be the best year of my life. Come on, 53 years old, best year of my life. Praise God, right? When I was at Cruises uh, on Saturday morning, yesterday morning, uh, meeting and, and uh, having breakfast with somebody, um, the waitress came over and said, so what's your, uh, what's your New Year's resolution? I thought I said uh, that 2019 will be just as good as 2018. She said, oh, that's awesome. That's great. I said, yeah, it is. I'm so glad I can say that. Well, you know what? If you right now will commit with all that you are to having right relation with God, 
Then when you get to the ending of 2019 and somebody says, what's your resolution, your New Year's resolution for 2020? You'll say that 2020 will be just as good as 2019. Yes, you can have a great year. You can have the best year of your life. Be in right relationship with God. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 5, he says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branch. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Good things are going to happen. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For apart from me, you're not going to know the depth of peace and joy. When we pray, we are remaining in Jesus. Today, December 30th, 2018, as you look towards the new year, Right now, say within yourself, I declare my need for God, even when I feel like I don't need God. I'm going to push through this. I declare my need for God. 2019 is going to be the year of me declaring my need for God. Another way to fight off Satan's schemes, you know, his intent to corrupt our right relation with God, is to be repentant. So you, know, you say, okay, now you think, okay, you're going back to this monk thing again, Dave. You know, or, or you're going back to like, what, what is this? Like, you know, I, uh, I got to set myself on fire. You know, and now we're, you know, you picture beating yourself up, massive self-deprivation. Repentance is misinterpreted. It means to turn. It means to turn from the way you're going, to turn from the way you are thinking, to turn and to go to God. We all could use a little bit of turning this morning, Yes. You want to be in this place of, 2019 is my year of repenting, of repentance, of turning and turning and turning to God, to God, to God. We're going to be empowered by our spirit and we're going to turn to God. We're going to move away from feeling self-sufficient, self-righteous, self-entitled, and we're going to turn to God. I repent, I turn to you, my God. Now, when you're in the midst of 21 days of prayer, you have a lot of repenting. When you're opening up an email that you received each day and it has a devotion in it, and, and we're praying together about specific things, you're going to be in these areas of life and even other people's lives and what's happening, prayer requests, you get a glimpse of what's going on. It kind of inclines you to turn a bit to God. When you take that time to read, when you come in here at 6.30 uh, uh, during the week in the morning and, and, and you're collectively with other people and, and you're reading things on the screen and listening to music and, and praying, you're inclined to turn. Maybe you didn't wake up the, that day thinking about a certain thing. Maybe you didn't realize you were carrying a certain thing. Maybe you didn't realize that you were engulfed in handling a certain thing a certain way. And now you're going to turn. And what a wonderful turn it is. And you're going to turn to God. And you're going to turn to a better way of handling it. You're going to turn away from one step forward, two steps back. You're going to turn away from a small win and more failures. You're going to turn to victory. You hear me? You're going to turn to right relationship with God. You're going to be Jesus-centered. That's what prayer does. It brings us to Jesus, which is why we live and breathe. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Join us, 21 days of prayer. Sign up for it. You sign up. You get an email. You get an email each day. It has a devotion in it. It has prayer requests. It has scriptures in it. You, you, you get invitations to go and pray in different people's homes you know, throughout the week. You, you, there are schedules of the coming in here and meeting with us in the morning. Start your year off right. It's going to move to the end here. Another way to have right relation with God in 2019, to fend off the enemy's attempts to cloud 
and deteriorate your relationship with God, your right relationship, another way is to be thankful. We'll close it out with this one, to be thankful, to have a grateful heart. Mm. Let's fight being familiar with being grateful. Thankfulness is saying we love God, we worship God. If I am less thankful for Christy, it's going to affect my love of her. Point blank, it will be. To the extent that I am thankful for her is my wife. To the extent that I am thankful for her is the mother of my children. I see all of her in a different light. I see her words, her looks, her actions, her responses are all different. And they're all different because they're coming from this place of right relation with God, which means they're kind of laid with peace and joy, thanksgiving. Are you hearing me? Let's be thankful. And again, when you're in these 21 days of prayer, you're going to be inspired, not just not manipulated. We are not into manipulation. We sometimes I'll tap into motivation, but we are all about inspiration. We want you to be inspired, man. We want you to be lifted up above your circumstances. We want you to transcend what you thought you were. And we want you to be inspired. That, wow, I am so thankful for this person, my mother, my father, my spouse, this child. I am thankful. I see this as a provision of God, and this connects me to God. Remember, and this is worship, as I pause and stop and I thank God, what I'm doing here is I'm not only taking in the gladness of what's happening, joy and peace here with this person or this situation, but now I'm tapping into worshiping God. I'm acknowledging God. And I feel so much better about who I am and my life because I'm acknowledging God. And God becomes greater in my life. At least I recognize him in a greater way. And now I submit, I surrender myself more and more to God because I'm so glad to do so because I've acknowledged him and I've experienced what he's doing. Am I making sense? Am I tying it together? First Peter says, if you submit yourself to the mighty hand of God, he will raise you up. And we do this because we love God. And First John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. We love because God first loved us. I didn't even, I didn't know how to love. 20 years old, I just could not, I thought I did. Oh my God, how far off I was. God have mercy. But when, when, when I turned to Christ, when I turned to Jesus, when I began to follow Jesus, I began to understand what love was and how to love. And it all began with my worshiping of God, my, my crying out and my trusting and believing in God. Psalm 150 verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, meaning God, I praise you, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, thank you so much. However you want to put it out there, man, you are just really thrilled, enthusiastic, glad to exalt God, to exalt Christ in your life. Everything, everything that has breath, everything means you. You are part of everything. We worship God not because of what he's done. Don't confuse this. But because of who he is. So we don't want to have this worship, you know, results-based worship or this results-based thanksgiving. We worship God because of who he is. We're thankful first and foremost because of who God is. Yes? I'm more thankful for the relationship than the results. You hear me? I'm thankful to just know God, to speak to God, just to be aware of God. One of the things that brought me into faith is why am I thinking about God? Why am I kicking this around? Why am I even rattling this around in my head? And other people could give a flip. 
And I began to be so thankful that I can even consider God, think of him, be sensitive to him. And, begin, and once I was, I began to see him vividly in my life. It was right there. And I began to be inspired by that. I began to talk to God, and that's prayer. And prayer is about my relationship with God, not my work for God. It was never as good as I could do. It was never as what I would accomplish. It was who is Dave when he sits before God and talks to him? Who is that man? That's where my relationship with God begins, right there. Who is Dave when he's talking to God? Who is Dave when he's worshiping God? Who is Dave when he's loving God just because he's God? I hope that's making sense to you. Why don't you stand with me as we close this out? I want you to right now in your hearts and minds to be prepared for 21 days of prayer. It starts January 6th. It goes to the 27th, I believe. Um, we ended off with kind of this engage night, this worship night. It's a powerful time. We come together. We read scripture. We pray and we sing. The, the, the band here does an incredible and yeah, great effort. It's an inspiring time. And just to think that you could have 21 days of each day in some way, meaningless, if you participate, intentionally participating, and at the end of 21 days come together to just worship God in a corporate, wonderful, unique way. And I tell you, if you did this, your 2019 will have much more peace and much more joy. I didn't say circumstances will get worse or better. I can't tell you that. I'm telling you that regardless of circumstances, you're going to have a lot more peace and a lot more joy. You're going, to have, you're going to have right relationship with God in a greater way than if you would not have participated. So I want you right now to push through and be determined. Now, if you came in here today and uh, you just, maybe at some point you knew God and you left him, maybe you just really never knew God. But man, here we are, December 30th, 2018, and today's your day. Yeah, today's the day where you are saying, you know what, I'm, I'm doing I'm going to turn to God. I am turning to God right now. God, I need you. Man, I need you as far as I'm concerned more than anybody else in here. I need you. And I'm turning to you, meaning I'm just turning away from the way I lived, which was apart from you. And I'm turning to you. And I'm thanking you for forgiving me, you know, of living that way that was apart from you. For turning away from you. For resisting you. For maybe mocking you. But here I am right now, God. I need you. And I want you Thank you for your forgiveness, and I want to follow Jesus. I'm thankful, for what he, I'm thankful for what he did on the cross. It means something to me right now. I know that I'm being saved from damnation. I'm being saved from a life that has less peace and less hope, and I'm so thankful for that, and I'm thankful that Jesus made a way by giving his life on the cross for me. And Jesus, I want you to live inside of me. And even right now, I take a hold, and I'm experiencing the new life that you have for me. God, help my friends that are in here today. I'm so grateful that they joined me today, this last Sunday, oh God. Lord, my prayer is for each and every one of them, that they would truly, oh God, God, Holy Spirit, that you would right now, in Jesus' name, miraculously, supernaturally come upon each one and begin to ward off, oh God, the temptations to be self-sufficient, to be self-righteous, to be self-entitled, oh God. But Lord, they would begin to lean on you, oh God, and that they would be thankful, oh God. Lord, that they would trust in you, oh God, that they would worship you, oh God. They would lean into you, oh God, today. And they would just even now begin to sense 
a strength coming up within them, oh God, that they can do all things through Christ who gives them strength. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Hey, you are an awesome church. You are a great group. It was a phenomenal year. Thank you so much. To God be the glory.